The Sacred Changemakers podcast is supported by Coaches Business School, helping the world's most caring coaches build a purpose-driven and profitable business that makes a meaningful impact in our world. Check out their unique frameworks and methods to help you transform and grow your business. Now is the time to build a bridge from what you want in life to include what the world needs. You can do well in business and do good, and together we can make a meaningful difference. Find out more at coachesbusinessschool.com. Hey there, and welcome back to the Sacred Changemakers podcast. Our guest on the podcast today is someone who is fast becoming a really good friend of mine, and that is Jackie Woodside. Jackie is a USA Today and four-time Amazon bestselling author, a TEDx speaker, international trainer, and professional coach. She's the founder of the Curriculum for Conscious Living and the Conscious Living Summit and trains coaches around the world to deliver this life-changing work. And I can tell you, this is not just some platitude. She really is changing lives in truly profound ways. Jackie's been featured on television shows with Jack Canfield and Don Miguel Ruiz and educational summits with Marianne Williamson, Michael Beckwith and Daniel Siegel. Her expertise is widely sought after as a teacher and speaker. She's a certified professional coach and licensed psychotherapist with 30 years experience in both fields. And she offers professional development training, keynote speeches and retreats around the globe. Now, the title for our conversation today is A Conscious Life, Living in the Consciousness of Love. The conversation you're about to hear can be heard on multiple different levels because we're discussing what it means to live a conscious life and fully embrace the consciousness of love. And of course, you know, that's invisible. It might feel conceptual, yet Jackie does a really great job of bringing what could be a lofty conversation down to earth and the practical realities of what it means to live in this more intentional way. We explore the nature of consciousness at both an individual and a collective level, the vibrational frequency, and we talk in depth of the path towards healing ourselves so we can fully open our hearts, even in challenging times. So I want to encourage you to listen deeply to what Jackie shares, because there are some incredible gold nuggets in what she shares that can have a profound impact on you and the way that you live your life if you are open to allowing them in. Anyway, that's enough from me. Let me introduce you to Jackie Woodside. Hey, Jackie, I want to welcome you to the Sacred Changemakers podcast. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, you know, and thank you so much for having me. We uh, we just always have so much fun together and, <laughs> and you are just a delight, delight as a friend and colleague. So thank you, Jane. I'm really, I'm excited and looking forward to this. I know, me too. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. And just to echo what you said, you know, we've not known each other very long, but there seems to be a huge overlap in kind of the way we approach life and our our work in the world. So I'm really excited about what's going to emerge between us today. Now, our our listeners have just heard your professional bio, and I'd like to kind of take a moment to just go behind the scenes of that and and just ask you in your own words to explain a little bit about, you know, who is that real life human that lies behind the bio? Who is she? Yeah, sure. Thank you for asking. It's, you know, that's a great question. There's a million ways to answer that, right? Like, so who am I? I'm, I'm my God self expressing. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a soul seeking to make a difference on this planet, but 
let's get real and concrete. <laughs> I am, uh, I'm the least stressed, most productive person I know, because I teach a lot about productivity and people look at me and they say, how do you get so much done? And I say, well, I live what I teach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm big on, you know, productivity being a contribution in the world, but not doing that in a way that's chaotic and stressful. Um, I am the happiest married person that I know. Uh, <laughs> my spouse and I've been together for 22 years. And uh, I love, I always say that, you know, that we are the happiest married couple that I know. And it's very rare that people argue that point with me by saying, no, 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 we're the happiest <laughs> married couple. I, I do always notice that. Um, so yeah, so I'm married. We have a 17 year old son. I own three houses, uh, all of them waterfront houses. I'm a little bit of a waterfront snob. Two of them are summer cottages that were my great aunt and uncles right next door, one great aunt and uncle and the other right next door to each other in upstate New York on the St. Lawrence River in the glorious Thousand Islands region. And uh, and then here in central Massachusetts, I have a lakefront home. I tell my spouse that I need an oceanfront home. So we have the trifecta, <laughs> I have a river, I have a lake, now I need an ocean. Anyway, I'm teasing. Um, so yeah, you know, life has been good to me. I say all of that. I'm happily married. I'm productive. I've got waterfront homes. But here's what you really also need to know. I was a hot mess up till, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. Uh, yeah, probably 15 years ago. I've been diagnosed with ADHD and depression and PTSD. I've been on lots of psychiatric medications over the years. I was in 12-step recovery programs for addiction. And I say, I'm by the grace of God, I am recovered from my addictions. Um, so, you know, my road as a teacher, speaker, consciously awake person has been, I'd say from hot mess to happy and blessed. So mm -hmm. I'm deeply, deeply grateful of the transformation in my life from surviving domestic violence in my late twenties to being homeless in my late, my mid twenties to, you know, where I am today, having an extraordinarily blessed life. So I share that with people because I, I really do, you know, I think a lot of times people listen to people like us who are kind of public and we're teaching and speaking and they think, you know, ah, that's good for you, but my life is a hot mess. Well, so was mine. And it wasn't an overnight transformation. You know, you don't go from hot mess to where I am today overnight, but if you're willing to do the work and, mm -hmm. and stay the course, any kind of a deep transformation is possible. Mm -hmm. And I just want to, you know, I'm feeling myself just leaning into you as you're speaking, because mm -hmm. thank you so much for showing the whole picture of, of what it's like to, you know, like you say, be us where, you know, we are public facing figures and we often show our persona to the world and, and not often do we come out and be very vulnerable and actually show the reality of, of what's yeah. truly going on behind the scenes. And I think it's really important because as you were speaking, Jackie, there, I really got the sense of hope. And I think that's something that's missing for a lot of us in today's modern world is this idea that no matter who I am or where I am or what circumstances I am in. I do have yeah. the potential to change that. Exactly. And I think for a lot of us, that's a really hard thing to kind of grasp hold of and believe in. But the way yeah. you describe that then, it's like, it is possible. It's absolutely it is possible, possible for every one yeah. of us. Now, yeah. our title for today is A Conscious Life, right? Living in the Consciousness of Love. Now, there's a lot packed into that title. Right? So I really want to start at the beginning, which is just a conscious life. Like, what yeah. does that mean to you? 
What does it mean to live <laughs> I, consciously? I love that you asked me that because I have a podcast called the Conscious Living Podcast. And that's the question that I start off asking all of my guests. <laughs> so I ask that question every single week. What does it mean to you to live a conscious life? Yeah. <laughs> so I the, the, the tables are turned here and I'm getting as that. So, yeah. So I have a very specific definition of consciousness itself. Consciousness. What does it mean to be awake and aware of your own consciousness. Mm. See, a lot of people use awareness and consciousness uh, synonymously as the same thing. And I don't. I say your awareness gives you access to observing the consciousness that you are living in. Mm. And I so awareness gives you access to observing your consciousness. And I define consciousness as the vibratory pattern that gets created by your beliefs, emotions, attitudes, and thoughts. Mm -hmm. So your beliefs, emotions, attitudes, and thoughts, if you pay attention, that it's an acronym, it spells BEAT, B-E-A-T. So your BEAT creates your vibe, your vibratory pattern. And that's actual science. It's not just my opinion or philosophy. Right. We hook you up to brainwave technology or heart, you know, heart wave technology. We can literally see the brainwaves. What we don't understand is just like, we can't see the internet right now, but you and I are here having this conversation, but we can't see the internet, but it, we, we see its effect. Mm. The same is true of energy and vibration or consciousness. We can't see the vibratory pattern of your beliefs, emotions, and attitudes and thoughts, but we can feel the effect. Mm. So what does it mean to me to live a conscious life? That you have the awareness of your consciousness. So you're able to observe moment to moment to moment what beliefs are driving me, what emotions are running me, what attitudes are supporting or withholding me, and what thoughts are propelling my actions into existence. And then the upside of living consciously, having the capacity to shift and alter that inner world of belief, emotion, attitude, and thought when you recognize it doesn't support me or it's not who I want to be. I Is love that? that. And I think yeah. that <clears throat> it's really interesting because I've never described consciousness in that way. I'd use different language, but your, your definition is very succinct. And I love that you're speaking to this in a way that I can remember, like, as soon as you started talking, I wanted to start writing notes. But it's like, yeah. I, as you, the more you said it, and then when you said BEAT as the acronym, it's like, okay, I can remember that. So, remember if, that. Yeah. but it also feels like a lot to do in the moment. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. So, it, yeah, it's a lot to, that. to be aware. And that's why awareness yeah. is that, you know, I love distinguishing between awareness and consciousness, because if you collapse them as the same word, it's like, okay, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I have awareness, but what am I aware of? Mm -hmm. So having awareness, it is a lot, right? So it's, it's being able to just ongoingly observe your inner world mm -hmm. and then bring that inner world into alignment. So let me just give you a concrete example. And mm -hmm. yes, it's a lot at the beginning, which is why people like you and I are so committed conscious living because right. the more people get exposed to these kinds of conversations or the kinds of books that we might write or that we read. Uh, you know, this is where we're at as humanity. We are either going to evolve into a more conscious world or devolve into our own destruction. And that's to me is the definition of free will. 
Yeah. And I see an explosion of teachers, an explosion of online education. So I see the impulse toward conscious evolution, conscious awakening, uh, awareness of this inner inner world that creates the vibration, the vibratory pattern. Yeah. So and just I'm, let me give you a- Please yeah, do. No, please do. I'd yeah, love to hear an example. example. We talked about it. Yeah, we talked about it in the green room right before we got on. So I want to give people a concrete example of what I mean. The, so awareness, the ability to observe my inner world of thought, belief, emotion, attitude, and thought that gives rise to my behavior. Right, That's the link that you want to make. So I was sharing uh, right before we got on air that I'm going through some things with my family. My mom just moved to assisted living. And other family members made decisions about it that I didn't want, didn't want, didn't agree with. I wanted to keep mom home, and uh, you know, and and so family dynamics. Other people felt differently. My mom has moved, and I've been walking around a little bit pissy and judgmental about that. Right. And I went to bed the other night, kind of upset about mom and upset about the family dynamics, and I couldn't sleep. And then I had a moment of awareness. So I looked at myself and I said, "Who are you being?" And who I was being was righteous and indignant and right. Uh, I was right about it the way that it should have been and judgmental. I was being a jerk. Now, I'm being a jerk because I'm upset about what happened with my mom. <laughs> I was being a jerk, right? right. <laughs> righteous, right, uh, indignant, and judgmental is not exactly the things that I hold as my core values. Mm. <laughs> That's not the person I want to be in the world. So I just, you know, kind of laid quietly and I made a commitment to myself, like a prayer almost. Mm -hmm. I refuse to be given by this vibration of indignation, righteousness, being right and judgmentalism. I resign that. I refuse to be given by that. I choose to live in the consciousness of love. Mm -hmm. And I was flooded with a sense of inner peace. And from that point on, and every exchange that I then have had, it was what, three days ago, every exchange that I've had with various family members about the situation, I've been light, lighthearted, uh, supportive, um, you know, funny, <laughs> um, <laughs> rather than an indignant jerk. <laughs> Try it on. I highly <laughs> recommend it. And I love that because so, as you're speaking, there's a real, there's a real beauty and an ease and a flow to what you're describing here. Right. Yeah. And I really want to highlight and honor that because I think that's really important. And it's it, it aligns so much with what I talk about in terms of the vibratory pattern of resonance. Right. It's it's a, it's that awareness coming back into alignment with what matters most, attuning to the external environment, the relationships out there and then fully integrating it. That's what I'm hearing you speak to. Exactly. Now, right. I'm also having, though another kind of insight that I don't think I've ever really had in this way before which I want to speak to you about which is the the downside well I'm going to call it the downside of this because it feels more contracting to me is this idea that living a conscious life and 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 doing what you're saying it's almost like it's the ultimate responsibility now, I've yeah. never heard it about it. I've never thought of it in that way before. But because it's the ultimate responsibility, it's almost like if I make this commitment to myself, there's mm -hmm. kind of no way out because now I'm yeah. intentional. I'm taking full responsibility and I'm I'm yeah. kind of this is this is what I want and who I want to become <clears throat> as I walk through the world. 
So I'd love you to I, speak I so to that to a little about, bit. Yeah. <laughs> I have so much to say about that. So, and I was just going to say, you know, to follow this up, and I'm talking about this, like, oh, let's go have a cup of tea. Oh, let's <laughs> yes. just change our world, you know, like, oh, let's just feel better about that. It's such bullshit. Like, it's not <laughs> as easy as I'm saying it right now. These are the steps. This is the process. But what's required is a, an enormous amount of psychological and spiritual maturity. You can't do this without being more committed to your psychological and spiritual growth than you are to being right and getting your way. Right. And you're absolutely right, Jane. It's way easier to just like come home from work, grab the beer out of the fridge, kick back and watch <laughs> TV and be like, you know, screw this growing, you know, in consciousness, living in the consciousness of love business. I'm just going to blame everybody else. It is so much easier to blame other people for your discomfort than to take responsibility for it. It does take more energy to live a high consciousness, high vibration, self-aware, self-actualized life. Mm -hmm. But there's the degree of freedom, happiness, joy, fulfillment, contribution that comes with this way of life is it, it's, it's unmatched, is extraordinary. Now, it's hell in the hallway <laughs> going from... <laughs> you know, kind of this externalized, I'm right, you're wrong, let me judge you and tell you how it should be person to this, you know, kind of more self-actualized, oh, wow, I was being a jerk, let me alter my inner world. The, the path from here to there, it's hell in the hallway. <laughs> and I was from hot mess to happy and blessed. In the early years, it was almost a full-time job. I was going to 12 steps, I was going to couples therapy, uh, 12 step programming, uh, mm -hmm. you know, for addiction recovery, couples therapy, individual therapy, meeting with my sponsor every week, 12 step meetings, probably three times a week, meeting with my sponsor once a week, therapy, individual therapy, meeting with my minister and going to church. I think that, oh, and volunteering at my church. Like, and that was all part of my recovery plan to get myself from hot mess slowly over the years the happy and blessed. And today I'm not on any psychiatric medications. I'm uh, not reeling with addiction or, or even, you know, the white knuckling feeling like I'm going to relapse. I've not had relapses in 10 years. So uh, yes, you're absolutely right. It's not as easy as, oh, let's sit down and have a cup of tea. But I believe, so just back up a last thing, and then I'll give it back to you. I believe that what I just described, that purpose of, I'm sorry, that process of moving from hot mess to happy and blessed or that indignant externalizing blaming person to a self-actualized aware person. I believe that that is the purpose of humanity. Hmm. That's why we're here to move from egocentric. It's all about me to what I call God centric spirit centric of it. You know, it's, it's still, it's all about me in a different way. Not all about me. You're here to serve me. You're here to make me miserable and make me happy. But it's all about me, my perception, my ability to be loving, my ability to engage in a higher level, my ability to alter my inner world of perception, to, mm -hmm. to reframe and create yeah. an interpretation of life that serves my highest purpose and my highest good, which is to be loved and to be loving. Mm. I love that. And we've kind of spoken there of the two polarities of your journey. And what I'm interested in is what happened in the middle 
in that kind of corridor <laughs> like yeah. what yeah. what have you learned what have you learned from actually going from that hot mess into this happy and blessed I mean what insights do you have that you can share with our audience because I know like I've been on a similar journey and for me what's interesting is I keep finding myself in that what did you call it hell in the hallway I it's like oh, I, it's not like you pass through it once and it's gone it's like I, no, I keep finding no, myself no, no, back right. in there going oh my god I'm here again right for another right. reason so I I don't want it to feel like for our listeners like an, a, a a linear journey because in some ways it's more of a I don't know it's more of a mess in itself than than that yeah, but I'd love to know way. what if what did you learn I mean what insights what what helped you keep taking those steps forward because when yeah. you are in that hell in the hallway sometimes it can feel like you do lose hope like you lose your ground you don't know you don't know if you can and I'm going to say another word at the end of that that I know is also something that's very alive for you in your work because I've heard you talk, Jackie, about this deep passion you have to alleviate suffering. It's like, mm -hmm. do I do I have what it takes to heal? I know I felt that a number of times on my journey. I don't know if you have, but like that's really what we're talking <laughs> about, isn't it? <laughs> after, after my third, fourth, fifth, sixth relapse, you know, like, you know, maybe this just isn't for me, you know, maybe I'm not one of those people. Um, so yeah, so thank you, Jane. That's such that's such a sophisticated question, and I, I'm sure. I, well, if your listeners don't have that question in mind, um, they're probably thinking like, "Yeah, well, that was great for you, but I can't do that, right?" Yeah, so yeah, um, right. So I, I just want to say a couple of things about it. What have I learned? First of all, it's harder than you think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's I harder than that. you think. Yeah, it's harder than you think. It's harder emotionally. Um, so having support. You know, mm -hmm. if you don't have an addiction, if you think you don't have an addiction, first of all, because everybody is addicted to their ego, we're all addicted to our perceptions, being right, getting our way. And that's the biggest addiction to overcome. But anyway, if you get yourself into, you know, I think 12-step fellowship, uh, whether it's Alcoholics Anonymous, Overeaters Anonymous, um, Debtors Anonymous, Codependence Anonymous, uh, there's so, 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 so many. That process of coming together with a group of people who are committed to healing, recovery, and growth. I, it was extraordinary to me. I also went to, um, what was it called? Essay, Survivors of Sexual Abuse. Um, that was actually the first 12-step program that I went to. Uh, I, I, I was a sexual abuse survivor from childhood. And the impact of that on my life was extraordinary. Mm. I didn't even know I had other addictions, honestly, until I went through that 12-step program to kind of get myself healthy enough to then start looking at some of the other dysfunctional behaviors that I had developed. Um, so I think the 12 step programs are just so, so, so healing and, and supportive. So it's harder than you think it is possible because it's harder than you think and yet still possible. What's the key ingredient? And that is support. Mm -hmm. I get, you know, going to therapy, if you're as crazy as I was or not, you know, you have to be that crazy, you know, if you feel like you can't get to the other side of it. So either working with a coach or with a therapist and some kind of a support group, 12 step or otherwise, I think is extraordinary. Landmark education, when I got healthier, you said the, what was in the middle, <laughs> yes. I couldn't have done landmark education early on, because I just, I wasn't really well enough to take advantage of the extraordinary transformational work that landmark education worldwide provides. 
-hmm. So people don't know what that is, just Google it. It's a transformational educational worldwide program that was extraordinarily helpful to me. I spent 10, 12 years taking courses at Landmark Education, often many of them twice. One of them is called the Wisdom Course. And I did that two or three times. And I said, I needed remedial wisdom. <laughs> I didn't call it the first time around. I needed remedial wisdom, right? Um, so it's harder than you think. Get support, get coaching, you know, group coaching and group support is in Landmark Education. That was a really big help for me, um, working with coaches like Jane and myself, whatever. So those are some of the things that I learned. And then, you know, what kept me going? I definitely had that, like, I can't do this. Mm. I had multiple recoveries. I went off antidepressant medication, lived for a couple of years, you know, was fine uh, without antidepressant medication and then relapsed, had a major relapse when I became a mother and, uh, you know, was, was really battling depression and went back on antidepressants. I haven't been on them now for probably seven, eight years. Um, and I'm fine, you know, not, don't, did not need them for the rest of my life kind of thing. So those are some of the things that I learned. It's harder than you think it is possible. You have to have support. And, and each time that you think you can't do it, you know, it's fine. Take a break, you know, like it, it's okay to step back and be tired and you don't, it doesn't have to be like every single minute of every single day. And, you know, it doesn't have to be that you will, um, I like what you said, Jane, it's not a linear process. Mm. It's, you know, two steps forward, three steps back, two steps forward. But last thing, and then I'll turn it back to you, Jane. Well, the other thing I found with my depression is that each time I'd go into a major depression, I wouldn't go as deep and it wouldn't last as long. Yeah. And I think that's still true. While I don't have clinical depression any longer, I certainly, because I had clinical depression for so many years, I have the antecedents of it, kind of the remnants of it. So if I'm like, I mean, this morning, actually, I was kind of pissy. <laughs> I don't know, didn't sleep that well, you know, so I had to kind of talk myself out of it. So when I have like days that are lower, I just recognize it's part of the human process and it will pass. So yeah. you can get to that place where it doesn't own you as much. But in the earlier phases, you know, you'll be pretty much owned by it. But as you get better, you won't go as deep into the relapses. You won't go as deep into the depressive or anxious phases. And, and you likely won't be in them as long. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you're, you're speaking to a, a lot of things that are very alive for me through my timeline as well. And I, I, I love your ability to be so open, Jackie, in this conversation, because I remember, you know, parts of my life when I was very ill and very depressed because I was so ill, um, yeah. there was this, this, it was like there was, I couldn't hear anybody that was talking to me. Let me put it that way. I, I, I had a lot of great advice. I had a lot of, like, I had therapy, I was in therapy, but I, it was like, I just couldn't, I couldn't hear it for myself. I could hear that it was great ideas, but it just wasn't reaching me in, in some way. And I think it's it's really important that one of the things I'm hearing you you say, although you haven't articulated it quite in this way, is that you know healing's a very personal and intimate journey. And it's almost like you do you in the way that's gonna work for you. And like you said, if you need to take a break, take a break, because you can't follow somebody else's path, I don't believe. I mean, where do you sit with that? Because the other thing, and before I, I, I hand it back to you, I do also want to add, 
I've also, um, so one of the things that happens to me when I speak on stage, Jackie, is I tell my story and then I come down off stage and people say to me things like, but I, how can I get conscious? Because I haven't had all this trauma that you've had. <laughs> so my question is also, do you think trauma is the gift in a way that starts to take us in this deeply intimate personal inner journey that helps us open to consciousness in a way and can we do it without (laughs) no I don't I think it is a gift but it's not the gift that opens you to consciousness no my my has not had uh you know years and years of trauma and addictions and all of the the stuff that I've dealt with um and you know is very awakened so uh no and I you know I'm because I'm in these circles I know lots and lots of people who had a fairly healthy, vibrant, you know, easier childhood, didn't have all the, you know, insanity, but still had some catalyst toward awakening. Um, So I do, I think because there there is a lot of trauma in our world, uh, we often hear that and they're very dramatic stories. But no, it's, it's so if, if, you know, if one of your listeners is the person is like, <laughs> I have an answer to that, like, I'm perfectly fine. I that's divine. You know, then you know, to me, spirit will rise in you is rising in you because you're listening to this podcast. Spirit is rising in you in your way. And when you were saying you couldn't hear people, I remember that as well. Mm-hmm. And I just, oh, sorry, gosh. Um, my dog was growling out in the other room and I couldn't figure out what that noise was. Um, so I just want to say a little bit, when you have that uh, that experience of you just can't hear it, what that means is you are not yet at that consciousness level yeah. that you can take in that thought, that advice. You're literally like you're vibrating like this, you know, at, at, at this level and that, you know, that vibration is way up here and you just can't connect with it. Like I, I hear you, but I can't connect with it. And not only do I remember that, I remember the night that I was sitting in a danky church basement in a 12-step meeting, and I literally got up out of the meeting, walked out, and relapsed. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, when you just got to stay with it. And and that's why one of the things they say in 12-step, and I'm not going to 12-step meetings any longer. I know some people say you go for the rest of your life, and I am an addict. I do not say that. I say I am recovered. Um, so I am not still going, but one of the things they say in 12 step that I love is just keep coming back. Yeah. Keep coming back because until I had reached the vibratory pattern in my own consciousness, that I was able to be a hundred percent responsible for my life. Most of the time, um, <laughs> I still have moments of externalization, but, you know, really committed to being 100% responsible for the way my life is until I reached that level of consciousness, I would absolutely need to keep coming back. And that's, you know, that's the gift of living consciously. I'm responsible for the way my life is. And yes, early on, that feels like a prison or a trap of like, ah, it's so much easier. I'd rather blame other people. But as you move into it, it, it is absolute freedom. I love that. And now so far, I'm quite, I'm quite aware of the fact that we've been talking about consciousness in terms of individual consciousness. I'd love to kind of take a step back and kind of spread this conversation out into 
like what is your perspective on like collective consciousness and what is possible for us as individuals as we start to elevate our own consciousness and and live a more conscious life then what becomes possible in the collective because mm, that's such a good question you know i mean first of all i don't know i'm you know. <laughs> I'm going to be making this up um, and I have thoughts about it. So yeah. these thought, thoughts aren't like facts. It's just my perception. But you see this explosion of, you know, kind of people, spiritual seeking and coaches and uh, all these specialty coaches. I've been a coach for 30 years. So seeing all of these, like, you know, I'm a grief coach or I'm a marriage right. coach or I'm a, you know, I'm a weight <laughs> loss coach. Or I was like, that was just so not a thing 30 years ago. And in fact, I have all kinds of thoughts about, is that even coaching at all versus, you know, mentoring or teaching or education? Anyway, I'm an old school coach. So the, the, there's this proliferation now of people really being interested in inner growth. And it's a multi-billion dollar industry mm -hmm. today. So many people are engaging in that. And to me, how I interpret that is that we are involved in an, in a, an awakening uh, of humanity. So then people are like, well, what do you mean awakening? Look at what's happening around the world. It's <laughs> a hot mess out there. And it is, you know, kind of a rise of uh, violence or hate crimes and, um, you know, division in our in our world of right, left and right and um, all kinds of things that are really, really difficult in our world right now, not just here in the United States, but around the world. And, and to me, how I interpret that through the lens of kind of spirituality or evolution of consciousness is that as anything evolves, anything that's unlike the new expression will emerge to be dealt with and healed. Mm -hmm. So if there's this movement toward, if you will, oneness, that a growth in consciousness that says it's not you and me or you versus me, but there's only one of us and I can't hurt you without also hurting me in some way, right? So, so saying if, if that's where we're evolving to, all of this division now is coming up to be healed. And I don't know where that will go or what, you know, what's going to happen, but I, I trust the process of conscious evolution. And one of the reasons I do what I do is I want to be one of the people leading and in, in, in the, you know, be a front runner of helping br people bridge that gap uh, and evolve consciously as a human being. Um, to this sense of uh, of awakening that there's only one, only one consciousness, which we all are a part. Does, yeah. does that? It does. And it, as you were speaking, I, I could really feel like I was just kind of feeling into the energy around and, and feeling that, you know, this is our collective trauma. Like everything we you've described on an individual level, you can then bring it to the collective. And one of the things that, you know, I often get asked uh, from listeners on this podcast is, well, you know, how how do we, like if I want to change the world and I've got this sense I could do some more, then what, what do I do? And my answer is always the path to the collective is always through the individual. So work on yourself first and we come through. And yeah. I think that's often lost in some of the big ideas of I want to change the world out there and I'm doing this. So it kind of brings right, right, me, right. it brings me to this question, which is like, what is your work in service of? You've, you've given us a little glimpse of what that might be, but I'd love to hear you articulate what that is sure. for you. 
I can I can begin articulating it by just sharing my mission statement because it actually addresses it. And so my mission statement is that I'm a torchbearer for a vision of a world transformed, illuminating freedom, fulfillment, and passion, igniting the flame of infinite possibility for the human spirit. Hmm. So that's my mission statement. So inside of that, torchbearer. Well, I want to be a leader. I want to be one of the one who shows the way, lights the way, um, you know, leads humanity where? To a vision of a world transformed, a world transformed by love, uh, a world transformed to freedom, fulfillment, and passion. So that freedom doesn't mean, ah, I'm free. I get to do what I want whenever I want. No, it means freedom from the confines of the ego. Hmm. The ego is what confines us. The ego, the ego, but when I say ego, I'm talking about the human personality structure that says, I'm right, you're wrong, I'm good, you're bad, um, you know, I'm better than you, we need to compete, or, or the opposite, I'm less than you, I need to protect, I need to stay away, I need to shield myself. When you, Jane, when you said, Jackie, I appreciate how open you're being, when you don't have a lot of ego, there's nothing to hide. Yeah. I mean, people are going to think what they're going to think, or they'll say whatever they say, but it is, that has been my life's journey. And then people, whatever people's interpretations or judgments about that is their issue, not mine. Yeah. So the less ego you have need to be right, need to protect, need to, you know, uh, assert your view onto the world, whatever. Um, the less need there is to protect. So you can be more open or I, I don't, I don't have anything to hide. Hmm. So, uh, so that's, that's a little bit of my passion. And I believe that anytime any one of us grows in consciousness from, you know, this sense of stress and overwhelm and, you know, hurriedness and survival of life, it's so difficult into a sense of, well, okay, but wait, I'm responsible here. What is it about me? Right. Making that shift. One person makes that shift. And because I believe we're all one, all one, if any one person makes that growth in consciousness, all of humanity changes. Hmm. So if I can ignite the flame of infinite possibility for one person and they take more responsibility, they shed a little bit of their need for self-protection or their, their need to separate from others. Uh, and they take more responsibility for being kind and loving and, uh, and and holding humanity in a loving space, then then I've done my part and just, just humanity is now has now grown and raised. So that's my passion. Anytime any one of us grows in consciousness, all of humanity changes. I love that. And I I, I feel like I want to ask you, you know, if your mission were to come to pass and the world was transformed in the way that you're holding the space for it. What would that look like in daily reality? I mean, what's that vision that you're holding for a transformed world? What would be different? Yeah, I, I think John Lennon's song, Imagine, mm. you know, imagine there's uh, no countries and imagine there's <laughs> no heaven, no hell. Imagine there's no religion. There's, yeah. you know, nothing to kill or die for. Um, so that's kind of, you know, like there's nothing to kill. Like, why would I kill somebody? Why would I do that? Why would I hurt somebody? Um, I just, I can't fathom it. You know, like I really just can't fathom it. Um, the, the shooting in Colorado Springs a month or so ago, like some dude went in 
to just kill gay people. Uh, a year or so ago, somebody just went into a, a synagogue to just kill Jewish people. Oh, Buffalo, New York. A dude went into it, like drove hours and hours, chose the demographic region of Buffalo, New York, that was the highest black per capita, black people per capita region, went into that supermarket to just kill black people. What? Like, I cannot fathom it. So black, white, straight, gay, you know, rich, poor, educated, uneducated, Republican, Democrat, like there is none of that. There's just humanity seeking peace and to care for our families and to experience freedom in life, both external freedom of not being having tyrant government. Yes, that kind of freedom, but also internal freedom that I don't need to protect myself or hoard my resources if you're in need and I have we should share <laughs> that just makes sense right um right. <laughs> yeah so you know not not to be corny or anything but I think it was John Lennon right who wrote yeah the, the, the yeah song imagine that, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, that that's kind of my vision that, yeah. that there's just no sense of separation or and I don't know, I guess that makes me a, a, a tree-hugging liberal, um, but that, that's my... <laughs> so, but I love that you just went back to no sense of separation because what I feel in, this, in the, these times, when I think about our next steps forward, our baby steps into this as a, as a society, if you like, one of the things that comes up for me that I notice, and as you were talking about some of the traumas and different things that have happened in society recently, though I think we have a challenge to overcome individually and collectively, which is <laughs> just very simply, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, a challenge, probably quite a few. But um, this idea keeps coming back to me of how we deal with difference because mm -hmm. the ego almost wants everybody to be the same as me on some kind of unconscious level and if you're not then you're wrong in some way and it seems to me that you know one of our baby steps forward has got to be having conversations about how we deal with difference and how we respond to it how we react to it because when mm. I look out in the world I see that you know, the, the conflict is usually generated because there's difference of some kind <laughs> in some way. And people are trying to pull people into their map of the world instead of saying, well, you can be you over there and I can be me over here. I mean, what's your sense of that, Jackie? Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, the psychology of difference is really quite extraordinary. And we are afraid of that which is unlike us. Mm -hmm. And that's all stemming from the ego. Yeah. So this hatred that you see stems from, I mean, stems from fear. There are only two emotions, love and fear. Yeah. And so love joins, fear separates. Mm. So the people who feel, you know, like right now, gay people or trans people are being called groomers. Mm. And it's just hysterical to me because look at the statistics of the Republican leaders who get arrested for <laughs> trafficking or sex with minors right. or pornography. Right. It's just ridiculous. But Anyway, I mean, it's interesting, right? Project that outward, which, you know, you collectively yourself are, um, you know, so name calling, shaming, uh, segregating, all of these things that we do is because there are only two emotions. You're either going to embrace it and love it. But when you see psychologically, when you see difference, the ego uh, interprets that as danger. 
and therefore it gets rejected. And then you go find reasons to reject it, or you make up reasons like calling right. gay and trans rumors. That's a made up reason. There's right. no factual basis to that whatsoever. Or you go to some interpretation of scripture or Bible and say, this is why you know, you're wrong and we have to put laws around you. We have to make sure you, uh, your message, you, you go extinct. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's, that's what we do. And I understand the psychological mechanism of it, which is why I said living a conscious life requires an enormous amount of psychological and spiritual maturity. Mm. People who are not psychologically well or evolved or, uh, awakened in, in their spiritual consciousness, they will experience difference as a threat, unlike me, not the same, uh, is frightening. Yeah, no, I get that. Now I'm noticing the time. So I, I could talk to you all day, but I'm gonna bring our conversation to a close here with just kind of one final question. If there's something that you wanted to share with our audience, it might be a few words of wisdom. It might be something that we've missed entirely in our conversation today. I mean, what might it be? Hmm. That's a good question. You know, I, I think the most thing that, that I would want to leave people with today as you kind of go about your day or you're greeting people is to, to do what you can to live your life in love. And notice as you go throughout the day, if you like kind of carry that thought with you, notice where you withhold love. And I don't mean like go gushing on strangers, like don't be weird, right? <laughs> but I'm <laughs> public. I'm like, I make it a point to make eye contact with everybody. I'm super like funny and kind to the people who are on my checkout line. And I ask them questions and I notice their beautiful hair or their tattoos, or, you know, I'll, I'll make some kind of a kind gesture or comment toward them that I, I was living in DC a few years ago when me and the Dunkin' Donuts gal every morning after I dropped off my son at the bus stop, we had this thing going on where I helped her literally over Dunkin' Donuts coffee orders, helped her leave Dunkin' Donuts and pursue her singing career. Because I would go in every morning and she'd be singing and I would egg her on and tell her how beautiful she was and how amazing that was. And what are you doing working at Dunkin' Donuts with a voice like that? And <laughs> over, you know, over time, she eventually took the courage and started taking classes toward her music career. You know, just those little drops, right? Those little drops of kindness, those little drops of love. Uh, doing uh, anonymous good deeds. You see someone's parking meter is expired, feed it. Uh, you see someone carrying too many bags, offer to take one. Uh, I don't know, whatever, however it is uh, that you come across people, rather than withholding, give. Be open-hearted uh, in your approach to humanity, to exchanges, to people, and to life. Ah. Oh. Gosh, my friend, thank you so much for joining me today in this conversation. It has been epic, my friends, as always. So thank you so much for joining us, Jackie, today. Yeah, it's absolutely been my pleasure. And uh, I look forward to doing this again on my podcast. I'll <laughs> you over there in, uh, in a few weeks time over on my podcast as well. So we'll just continue this conversation. <laughs> okay, thank you, Jackie. Okay, so... Everyone, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening in. Now, before we go, I want to remind you that all the resources and the links for our guests are in the show notes at sacredchangemakers.com. A big thank you to our members of Coaches Business School who are our podcast sponsors and our extended community who are helping us to make a global impact aligned with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, all visible on our website. 
And if you're looking for more soul in life and business, if you have a sense that you have a calling, maybe you're here to make a bigger impact or simply connect with others on your change-making journey. If our episode resonated with you today, I hope you'll consider joining us. Again, you can find out more at sacredchangemakers.com. So for now, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your intention and efforts to make our world a better place. Until next time, lots of love.